Hello, and welcome to Calamity, a podcast about natural and not-so-natural disasters. In each episode, we examine a catastrophic event from world history. We are your hosts, the Kuhlman Sisters. I'm Jama. I'm Jillian. And I'm Caitlin. And today's calamity is going to be the Hindenburg Explosion. And we are going back to 1937. Awesome. Just waiting for applause. <laughs> <laughs> I I love I love explosions. Um, I love anything. You know, I, I'm a my favorite movie genre is action. So I feel like this one's going to be right up my alley. You're dangerous. Maybe, but aren't these ships super super slow? Yes. I don't know how action packed they are. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! But this one this one gets a little exciting at least for about 39 seconds. I was going to say. To burn to the ground. Wow. <laughs> All right. So let me just talk about airships in general. And I think we should start with some disambiguation because I like that word. Yes, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jayla, do you want to tell us the difference between uh, airships and blimps and dirigibles and zeppelins? Well, I didn't know I was going to be quizzed, but... Um... <laughs> Let me let me check my notes here. I have some notes <laughs> that were uh, texted to me. So, so you've got your uh, you've got your blimps, and those are a small non-rigid airship. Uh, oh, I think that sounds like a balloon to me. Like it doesn't have an internal structure. It's just held aloft by the gas. Okay, okay. Well, and the British use it as a um, word for pompous, uh, reactionary type <laughs> of person. So there's that. You're such a and then, <laughs> And then there's a dirigible, which is so fun to say. It is. Um, and that, that's a, oddly, that's, as, a, as an adjective, that means capable of being steered, guided, or directed. Right, the, like you're a dirigible person, or this is a dirigible boat. I love that. The, it does sound. It sounds like an adjective. Yeah, it, it does. Of course it is, but it's like it's almost like we dropped off the noun. Like you yeah. used to maybe have to say dirigible airship, but then they right. dropped off the yeah. end, and they're like, it's a dirigible. There's got to be so, other yeah, words that are like that. As a noun, a dirigible airship is especially one with a rigid structure, as opposed to a blimp, right? right? Non-rigid, yeah. And okay. then, and then there is uh, sometimes uh, the word zeppelin is used, but that is a um, well, it is a large German dirigible airship um, of the. I'm getting this from uh, just to cite my source. Looks like it's coming from Oxford uh, website. Uh, large German dirigible airship of the 20th century, long and cylindrical in shape with a rigid framework. Uh, Zeppelins were used during World War One for reconnaissance and bombing and after the, world, uh, after the war as uh, passenger transports in the 30s. Right. And, and this airships, is definitely, the Hindenburg counts as a Zeppelin, does it? Made, made and designed in Germany. Right. 
Sorry, go on. And <laughs> airship specifically is a power-driven aircraft that is kept buoyant by a body of gas, usually helium, formerly hydrogen, which is lighter than air. So those are your definitions. I do have this on my um, my bucket list. I want to go on a ride in one of these. I mean, maybe not after today's episode. I may change my mind. But <laughs> prior to this, I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't think you'll change your mind. This one has a specific set of problems that uh, okay. I don't think any modern dirigible would have. I, so I have a, let me. I have a question. Yes. Is it, is it the Zeppelin that's like the model name, like Kleenex is the tissue? Yeah. Or okay. Good. Yeah. Just want to the name sure of the history. company that made all the German airships. Okay, got it. So, just a real quick history of airships in general. The first ones were designed in France, um, but they're really just balloons. The, in fact, the very first one was called the Montgolfer balloon. I'm the French sure were good with their exactly uh, with right. their balloons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was in 1783. Really long time. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just a just a balloon. You couldn't steer it. Uh <laughs> but it was that was the beginning. And then for another hundred years, uh people around the globe worked on perfecting different designs. There were some that were um they went from round to football shaped to then being kind of longer um longer and narrower. They're still kind of pointy on each end at this point, but uh, not quite as round as a football. They're longer than that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, and like pretty much all the, all the countries, um, the developed countries had companies that made these airships and the U S had, had, had a bunch. Um, I, it, it's hard for me to imagine that, but it's true. Um, just like you have boats, uh, the United States had the U.S. Shenandoah, and hmm. I think that's the only one I wrote down the name of. But we had, uh, you know, uh, the, our military had a number of these, and they were named just like a ship that goes on the water. Huh. Were they mili- military, only military at this time, or were there commercial ones? Both. There was both. Okay. Okay. And yeah. then how big, I'm having a hard time picturing, how big are they, like, compared to an airplane? Are they the same size as the tube of a, what's that called, fuselage of an airplane? Or, well, just they can come, you can build them in any size. Hmm. Well, I suppose there's, like, a maximum limit. Of <laughs> there, but. The Hindenburg was the largest one ever built. And, okay. Um, it, it's it, way, way, way bigger than a, 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 the biggest jumbo jet. Uh, you oh. could probably fit three or four jumbo jets inside the Hindenburg. Holy cow! It's three football oh. fields, three football fields long. Whoa! Yeah. And, and yet it had less size, than a hundred people on board. It's the size that of the is, Titanic. That's insane. In fact, they called it the Titanic of the sky, which is stupid. I guess. <laughs> Why? Why would you call it that? Because <laughs> it was the same size, I guess. When it, 
apparently the best. Not a good comparison. Right. Ever. So, Julian, we, don't, we is, never learn. Is We never learn. It's so <laughs> huge. Like, did it need to be that big for proportionate reasons for the load of people it was carrying? or was No, it it's only like, carrying 100 people. Well, I guess my question is, like, was this just, like, absolutely like hey let's see how big we like a guinness book of world records like, <laughs> well we've never made one this big let's try it like why was it so huge it it didn't need to be that big it seems like it'd be hard to find that much fabric and it'd be difficult like a smaller one would be more manageable you're not wrong caitlin i will tell you that the, the hindenburg when it i think men built it, it so exploded. probably they thought the bigger the better yeah. <laughs> It was only half full, and most of the people on board were actually staff because they were they had a full staff and then another full staff of trainees, hmm. and then maybe like the passengers I think that were only like thirty six to forty or something. Hmm. So most of the people on board were actually crew for this particular one, um, but it could have it could have easily had had twice the number of people. But you're right, that's still not that many. Uh, compared to what you can fit on a ship. I mean, if we were still uh, like, using dirigibles at this point in time, the skies would be, if they only can't carry 100 people in one go, the skies would just be covered with these big blimps flying all over the place. <laughs> just a little people. Slowly bobbing along. <laughs> yeah. Blotting <laughs> out the they, sun. They, actually, <laughs> they were considered fast. Because they were faster than a ship. So a ship right. tops out right. at like, um, I want to say like 36, 37 um, miles per hour. And mm-hmm. the Hindenburg could, could easily be twice that. It could, it could go about 80. Oh, in the sky. So, so it takes about six days. And then to how fast the do Atlantic. we go in airplanes? <laughs> Slightly faster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can see why they phased out. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I know. You know the the Hindenburg is often uh, credited with being like the death of the dirigible, but um, it's only half of it because at that point we were going to airplanes anyway. It was it was they I think it would have been obsolete technology anyway, even yeah. if this one hadn't blown up and scared everyone. Yep. Well, they they are the perfect thing for, you know, sporting events where they're just, like, going in a circle over a stadium like the Goodyear blimp. <laughs> I suppose that's, like, the ideal place to be using one of these contraptions as opposed to actually trying to ferry people across an ocean. Yes. I agree. <laughs> so I'm going to do um, – I want to take you on a little tour of the inside because when I was first researching this, and really all the times that I've seen photos and video of it, I've always been like, how does it like work inside? Like, the, were there rooms? Were there, was there a kitchen? <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to take you on a little tour. Um, first of all, I want to tell you that the Hindenburg, and in fact, pretty much all of the Zeppelin uh, airships were designed and built by Dr. Hugo Eckner. He was a, a German aerospace engineer, and he was incredibly smart, incredibly detailed, and he really, the German airships were the best in the world, without a doubt. 
because um, I do want to tell you, there were a ton of other explosions and crashes. Uh, in fact, most most other countries had stopped building uh, these kind of airships or had at least, at the very least, had stopped using hydrogen because they'd already lost, you know, had explosions that killed 40 or 50 people or whatever. Um, this one is especially famous because it was German, first of all, and the Germans were considered to be mm. the very, very best. Theirs were super airship safe. creation. Yeah. yeah. And they had a, they had a completely clear safety record. They had never, ever mm. lost anyone to mm. an explosion, where, you know, most of the other countries were a little more laissez-faire. So mm-hmm. Dr. Hugo Eckner actually, I think, um, is a little bit of a hero of this story. He doesn't save anyone's life, but he created the amazing ship, and then when it exploded, he also was super involved in figuring out what went wrong, taking personal blame for it, and also um, just kind of, uh, he didn't try to cover it up or anything like that. So he was just really involved in making sure it didn't happen you know, again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he devoted his whole life to this thing, so I think it was really hard on him, wouldn't it? Yeah. When It'd be it easier to be, all... be in denial and shut up about it. So he really, you know, seemed yeah. to step up to the plate and, and own it. It'd yeah. be hard and to everything do. that I read and watched about this explosion, this whole situation, uh, he comes off as someone who has a lot of integrity. Mm-hmm. He, you just kind of like him, even though he, he designed this ship that killed a bunch of people. Um, okay. Tour of the ship. All right. You have a picture in your mind of what it looks like, right? And anyone no. listening, you can look it up super easy on Google, but it's just like a long <laughs> blimp-shaped blimp. <laughs> <laughs> it's silver. It's got some, some, uh, it's got like a tail like an airplane does. It has like a rudder that turns uh-huh. left and right and it has those ailerons uh, that you can also adjust and that helps it to go up and down. Uh-huh. Okay. What I'm having trouble with is where the people are and that's, uh, yeah. I don't have, I don't have Google in front of me but like my reference point is hot air balloons where you sit underneath of it um, but I, like in is that, basket. in a basket, is that the same case in this design? Not at all. Okay. Okay. So inside, inside, are totally different. So I wanted to ask. <laughs> the majority of the space inside that airship, and remember, it's we're thinking three football fields in length. The majority of the space is taken up by sixteen um, gigantic tanks of hydrogen. Uh huh. And actually, I think they are um, tanks. Is kind of a Maybe not the right word because I think it was cloth. They were like, I don't know, sacks of hydrogen. They but they were inflated as well, but they they hmm. take up almost all of the space in that big ship. Because the hydrogen, hydrogen. is lighter is lighter than hydrogen than is lighter air. than air, and it has to be hydrogen is the lightest element, uh, and helium is the number two lightest. Mm-hmm. See, <laughs> science. You're all like <laughs> blank stares. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm Imagine trouble. the periodic table. We're talking about noble gases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I, just thinking I, there's probably a reason we don't have hydrogen balloons at birthday parties, but we do have helium balloons at birthday parties. I think that that. What do you think that reason is, Chama? Well, I'm guessing one is maybe more combustible than the other one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It. Hydrogen is Science. extremely unstable and will catch fire with the least in provocation. Uh, provocation? Yes, provocation. And helium is insanely stable, and you can't you can't burn it at all. Why would you ever use helium over? I mean, hydrogen over helium then. Helium Why would you is, take that risk? There are two reasons. Uh, helium is significantly cheaper. Like way, oh. way, way cheaper. Because there's helium or hydrogen? Which yeah. one? I'm sorry, hydrogen. Okay. Oh, hy okay. Hydrogen is way, way, way cheaper. So that's of course a reason. Um, but also most of the helium in the world is in America, the United States. And we refused to sell in any of it to Germany. Yeah. Where does it come from? Don't ask me things like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't know like, where helium comes from. We can't just make but it? To the extent that we have to like mine it, or something? it and buy and sell it. America has most of it. And we wouldn't sell it to Germany. That's what I know. This is after World War One. I. I mean, that they sounds were still just a little like bit us, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't think we'd sell it to anyone. I think we were just keeping it for ourselves. So um, that sounds about right. But I still don't understand why. Why would we have more than someone else? I just don't. I don't understand. We'll we'll I look that up later. Research we'll do a that whole... particular piece. Yeah. Yeah. That that it is a good question. <laughs> I'm sure there's a link that we can post on Facebook afterwards that explains it all. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. Uh, so we've got a big balloon, and it's filled with smaller balloons. Are, are they because they're lighter than air, and they're in sack cloths? Do they float to the top of the bigger balloon, or are they, they stored fill up the space entirely? Okay, got it. There's no floating involved, and so you have to be really careful with a um, an airship like this to watch the weight. Because there is a certain point where you'll, if you put too much weight on the ship, uh, then you don't have enough helium to keep you afloat, right? So you've got to kind of balance that. Right. Does that make sense? Mm hmm So, for example, they have in their, um, in their lounge, they had a grand piano. Uh, but grand pianos usually weigh like a 1,000 pounds, and that's too much. Mm -hmm. So they commissioned one to be made out of aluminum. Wow, <laughs> for real, and it only weighed about three hundred pounds. So I can't that imagine that sounded very good. An aluminum piano. I know I'm hearing this like clangy. Oh, so terrible. Applause, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and then all the other building materials too. Um, the the frame, the internal frame of the Hindenburg were, mm -hmm. were kind of like these aluminum girders. Everything is as, as, as lightweight as possible. So, like, when you think about the Titanic and, like, how opulent it was, 
um, and other kind of ships for rich people and how opulent they are. This this ship, although it was really for rich people, the interior was actually really plain mm-hmm. because they didn't they didn't have um, the luxury of putting on you know beautiful lush carpets and fancy wallpapers and I mean everything was was as light as possible. Yeah, it all needed to be functional, and and they couldn't yes. they couldn't handle any extra weight, or they didn't. Obviously, this one yeah. was only half full, so they could have. But I mean, it, yeah, right. it was still exactly. it was still way more comfortable than an airplane, and I'm sure you had a lot more legroom. Uh, by a million, yes, a million percent. Yeah, yeah. So let me take you through. Okay, so the there are two decks. Um, well, well, first of all, there is a there are two walkways um, that go through the length of the ship from bow to stern. Okay. The first one runs along the bottom, mm-hmm. and that's called the keel corridor. Um, so it's just it's a long walkway, and you can walk all the way from the front of the ship to the back of the ship. And the keel corridor being on the bottom is also how um, the passengers because of all of the passenger quarters are on the very bottom of the ship. Okay. And inside the ship, they're not like hanging down or anything. There is a little. When you say quarters, do you mean they have their own rooms? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I did. Oh, I'll tell you all about it. Okay. So on the first, uh, first of all, what getting on, you go up some stairs like you do when you're getting on an airplane that doesn't have one of those gangways mm-hmm. where you have to walk out onto the tarmac and climb the stairs. Right. So you yep. stairs like that and, and go up yep. into the airship. And then... Um, so is it really, already floating up off the ground? Yeah. Uh-huh. When, you're, when you're getting on it? And it's okay. tethered. It's tethered. Right. Um, let's see. It's called a mooring, a mooring mast. Mooring mast <laughs> is what they cover it to. Yeah. Um. So you go in, and then it's it is quite like um. It's designed quite like a ship. So like initially, there like okay on either side of the ship, there are these like promenades, like on a cruise ship or something mm-hmm. like that. And there's yep. they have like tilted glass windows so you can kind of walk up and down. You can sit and lounge uh, or you can look out the windows there. Okay. And the interior on let's see, on A deck, which is the bottom deck, the lowest deck, uh, there's the promenade with windows and chairs. There's a lounge that has the grand piano. Uh, there is a writing room. Um, and what else? I'm Googling this. I have, to, I, I have to see what this looks like. This is crazy. It's a good idea. In fact, let's say, go for it. There's actually I'm, a couple of really good... It is. It's, like, it's kind of like a cruise ship with like... Yeah. yeah. I think Julian's yeah. doing a great job. No. I'm following... I'm no. following... No balconies, though. No. Balconies. And then huh. you go up the stairs to... B deck, and 
B deck has, um, oh, I'm sorry. B deck is at the bottom. I had this backwards. A deck is the top floor. B deck is the bottom floor where you board. It's got bathrooms. It's got the smoking room. And that's really important because everyone smokes at this time. Everyone. And Mm -hmm. you cannot smoke around hydrogen. That is just the worst idea. (laughs) So the smoking room was specially sealed off and pressurized. To make sure. Heaven forbid we not smoke for just, you know, this one trip in this very, very unstable. No, Jamie, it's it's stressful. Travel is stressful. You got to smoke twice a month. Maybe three times. (laughs) I have my smokes. Sorry, we'll probably alienate Um, all of our smoker um, listeners out there. So that's not nice of us, but. (laughs) It's fine. They should stop smoking. It's gross. Okay. Three quarters were there. Uh, the kitchen was down there, uh, and an observation deck. So, um, was the kitchen pressurized too? What? Was the kitchen pressurized as well? Every everything was pressurized to a certain extent. Yeah, um, I'm just thinking about open the way there, that, so. the way that the smoking room was. In fact. There's a um, one of the survivors. Actually, I think he. Well, I think he's still alive. He was a little boy um, when this happened, and he tells a story in one of the documentaries that I watched. He tells a story. He had like his grandmother had given him this toy car that you could like. Um, I don't know how, but it, it would kind of like drive. Like it didn't have a motor in it or something, but it was somehow spring-loaded or something where it could drive. And uh-huh. then um, when it did, the wheels, because it was made of metal, the wheels set off the little sparks. Mm-hmm. And so the crew took it away from him. They were like, you cannot have <laughs> you cannot have a toy that sparks on this ship. So, um, I mean, he was going to get it back at the end, but I yeah. think that didn't end up happening, sadly. Um, let's see. So, A deck is also where in the interior, so you've got your promenade and your lounges and stuff on the, on the sides of the ship. And then in the interior is where the, the rooms are for the guests. And they're not that fancy. They're, they're a little bit like, um, uh, maybe like a, well, larger than this, but they're like a train car, like a sleeping a sleeping car in a train, with uh-huh. just bug beds. So it's really, it's actually really small, and it's it's not like, even though these are rich people, it's not like oh, you know, you've got like a lounge and there's like a, uh, you know, a bunch of extra, you know, a sitting room and a real bed. It's it's just bunk beds for everyone. Okay. Okay. Um, not that fancy. Also, the cost of traveling across the ocean um, in today's money would be about $7,000 per person. I can't afford that. No. Nope. That's an insane amount of money. I'm going to so stay put. Just the, just the elite who could do it. And that might be another reason it wasn't completely full. Mm-hmm. Who can who can pay those? Uh, okay, so um, 
again, you've got that walkway that goes all the way to the back. The, the space that I'm describing is towards the front of the ship, and it really is just a small part of the ship. Um, like, Jim, are you still looking at that schematic? It's, it's maybe in the, within the first football field. Mm-hmm. But yeah. The whole long back of the ship is just, I mean, the walker, like I said, goes all the way back. And there are some other rooms down there. I think there's like a radio room and let's see, what else is back there? A mail room and then maybe the, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> my window is open and there's a child laughing and it's creepy. It's the creepiest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Quite She's laughing really, really loud. I'm sure you can't hear it, but it's terrifying. Distracting me. Okay, he stops. Um, oh, and then, like, the officer's uh, mess might be down there, and and that's also where they go down into the little, um, let's see, what's the word for it? Like, the little... Um, it's kind of like a cockpit, except that it it just hangs down below the blimp. Oh yeah. So it's got yeah. the glass in. I've and, seen that in pictures. And it's got yeah, and it's got the um the wheel. That's where the captain's on. at. Just in the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. part that hangs down uh, underneath. Yeah. Yeah. The captain and first mate and the, the people who are driving the thing. Um, okay. I mean, it's, it's a like big that. enough space for for multiple people. It's not just like a cockpit, like where there's only a couple seats. It's People isn't you can it, stand and walk around. Isn't it like the equivalent of a bridge on a boat, on a ship? Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And it does have one of those steering wheels that does the rudder, and then it's got another few um, mechanisms. Like on a ship? Handle. Like on a pirate ship? On yeah, the yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. Silly. I <laughs> <laughs> believe that's how we're driving these things, but okay. <laughs> Serious business, Jamie. It's science. It's, it's a lot of really smart people to come up with it. That's how we drive a car. I don't think we've come up with a better way. Yeah, maybe. It's not how we drive planes, so I don't know. Well. All right. Uh, don't don't ask Jamie about rudders. It really is. Opinion. Really, truly, it's a ship in the air. Like in the from like an ocean going ship, ship in, in the, the air. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it works it works without the thing. Okay. Um I can't believe I'm still just telling you what ship looks like inside. Okay. <laughs> the only other thing I want to mention is that up uh okay, so as you're walking down the keel corridor, there are these um shafts. Shafts that come down every now and then, and they've got ladders inside. And so the staff can climb up to about the middle of the ship where there's another corridor that runs front to back, and that's called the axial corridor. And so if you're up there in the axial corridor, you are checking on the hydrogen tanks yeah, and things so like that. If this were a ocean-going um, sailboat ship, sail ship, what's the word for that? <laughs> a, 
it's like if you were up in the um in the crow's nest yeah and like rolling up the the sails and stuff that's kind of the equivalent of it like where all the work happens and stuff i don't know it was a great analogy in my opinion but (laughs) clearly it didn't translate (laughs) go ahead i don't think they do much work up there actually it's just a way that they can access that part of the ship to kind of get eyes on you know if there's any kind of problem or something so like a crow's nest no i'm sorry go ahead <laughs> <laughs> he's not letting it go no <laughs> but go, go for it I, I i get i get it it's like you painted a pretty good picture i feel like it's kind of like a ship but upside down like mm-hmm. where normally you would put like all of the things that like the coal and the or the all of the industrial part of the ship would be at the bottom. In this case, it's at the top, and the people are at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And it's in the air. Yep. Okay. Okay. Jamma, do you feel like I've missed anything about the design from what you looked at on your schematic? No, I. I... I'm I'm kind of disappointed there aren't more. I mean, this was the 30s. I just thought there would be more photos. Like, there are some schematics, but there's not a lot of pictures. I at least in my any, quick I haven't seen Google. any pictures, which is crazy. But well, there's, there's one, one here on that, that is, there's one that's labeled Hindenburg uh, revealed in 1930s color, and it's you know, these ugly brown chairs with a map and it's some, some kind of lounge that they, that they had there. Right. It's not very decorated. Right, yeah, it is It is kind so of plain, you, but... There was a guy on board who had a video camera and he took a lot of um, footage throughout uh, and that is where we get a lot of our information about what it looked like inside because even... Um, he used the video camera to break the glass and get out when the hmm. fire started, mm-hmm. and it dropped on the ground, but the film was fine. Well, they found it later after wow. the fire was done, and uh, so we still have that footage. And, you, and you'll, if you watch any documentary, I'm sure you'll, you'll see it, just some, some shots of, of the people on board sitting in the lounge, looking out the windows, et cetera. Okay. It does not include any footage of, like, the individual rooms. But the public spaces okay. are there. And What's that next? man was an acrobat. But that's a whole different story. Um, okay. So, uh, it's 1937. And we're in Nazi Germany. Um, we're in Frankfurt. Jayma, have you been to Frankfurt? Not yet. <laughs> I mean, well, I think I, I think I've been to the airport there. But. That's not helpful. Looking for <laughs> some anecdotes about Frankfurt. Nope, nope. Uh, I've been to Frankfurt. So yet. Frankfurt, Germany, is where uh, the Zeppelins take off. Oh, and I will say something that is kind of unique about about the Zeppelins is that. Uh, like when you take a ship across the ocean, not only is it slower, but you can only get to a seaport. Right. And so the cool one of another cool thing about 
taking oh, an airship yeah. that you can actually get to one of the internal uh-huh. Like Frankfurt is yeah. not on the water at all. It's, it's yeah. In the middle of Europe. Not the middle. Yeah, that makes sense. But, yeah. Just another bonus for those who are looking for one. So, uh, May 3rd, they take off. Uh, and the Zeppelin, okay, the, the Hindenburg has, this is not like it's maiden voyage or anything. It's not that Titanic-y. It, it was built and launched the year before. Like, it was finished in 1936, and and it had done several crosses. I think it had gone across the United States a couple of times, and it had been down to Brazil. Wow. Like its main, its two main routes for this particular big ship. I wonder um, how long that took. The company had other from, ships that went other it places. It was going but. from Germany all the way to Brazil? Yeah. How yeah, many days was that? Multiple crossings. Um... I did not research that, but my guess is more than the three it takes to get to the U.S. Because it'd be longer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And it's not—it's yeah. not using up any of the hydrogen, right? That's just like just no, there to no, keep it afloat. Using, no. So like you don't have to really burn it not... off. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it does have because it does. It has little motors, spinny uh, propellers, mm-hmm. small ones. Um, so it does it need does some have, kind of... And those are the gasoline on board that runs those. Okay. That's kept in tanks. Um, obviously, that, that brings up later in the story. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it does, in order to move to move forward, that is propelled by fuel, just like anything. But it doesn't take much to propel it forward because it's so light mm-hmm. and it's, there's no resistance. You're just floating through the air. Mhm. So. Okay. Uh, it's very uh, fuel efficient. So it takes off on May third, and there are ninety-seven people on board, um, and that's crew and passengers both. Um, so again, like I said, that's only about half full, but that's what they happen to have that time, and they sailed across the Atlantic. Um, they did encounter some weather, just like how airplanes are designed to be safe from lightning. Um, so were the airships of the day. Those lightning struck it. It was, you know, it, it was uh, designed so the lightning would kind of just go around the outer shell and disperse, and it wouldn't at any point hurt the ship. Mm-hmm. And the outer shell is still all was, like a fabric, right? It's not. Yes. It's not actually. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it, I mean, it has metal, a it has a frame. It has the aluminum frame, frame but then yeah. it's covered with fabric, mm-hmm. not not any kind of. Yeah. So well, probably I don't can't go did, through. Make it lightning proof, but they had they had some kind of design where it was it was safe to fly through a storm. Although they actually recommended not doing that because it, it doesn't handle strong winds very well. Yeah. Well, because it's covered in, like, a big sail, so... There's also, and we don't know that we don't want to probably get into, like, the technicalities, but I'm assuming, like, if it's made of fabric and the fabric gets wet, then it's suddenly much heavier than it had been before, and et cetera, et cetera, so... Fair weather certainly would be better. I hadn't thought about that, Caitlin. I had not thought about that. I imagine the fabric must be um, water... Retentive, right? Is that the right word? 
What am I trying Repellent? to say? Absorbent? Yeah. Repellent? Yeah. Which one? Absorbs yeah, or repels? Repellent. <laughs> it, I imagine. It the same way that water. the, uh, do they do it the same way that they do those? Like the uh, circus the, tent. The tent? The circus tent? The circus yeah. tent? Oh, geez. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, and night oh, we've got something better in mind than that. Like yeah. and uh, wax, yeah. No. Okay, so they had crossed the ocean already? Yeah, they were slowed down because there was a giant storm. And they're supposed to be able to go 80, and they were only going about, like, 25 uh, in order to, like, not hit the storm and to be safe in the storm. What's crazy, or at least interesting, you have to, when you're flying the thing, you have to keep it level. Uh because people are walking around and doing things, and if it tips to one side or the other, or if you raise or lower, you have to keep the tail and the and the tail in the front. Yeah, <laughs> you got to keep those even. It beats me. So that people aren't like walking uphill to get to lunch or whatever. Um, so that, that's kind of, it does require like constant maintenance because you're in the air. Like on a boat, gravity and the laws of fluid dynamics just kind of, you know, it does what it does on the water. Uh, but with this, you've got to kind of keep it, keep watching those those things to make sure it stays stable. Um, so it's coming in, it's going to land at the place called Lakehurst. Uh, it's in New Jersey, and it is a Navy air base, um, the Naval Air Station at Lakehurst. And it has it has parked there before. Um, they've got their little port mast, and there's a huge crew on the ground to greet them. It, it does take a lot of people to bring one in, to bring one of these giant things in and park it and secure it before people can get off. So they've got a crew of naval folks from that station. Also on the ground there, there's a few spectators, just because if you live there, wouldn't you go watch? Of course. Right. And um, there's news reporters. Because it is still so big, and uh, this is it's carrying, you know, the richest of the rich. It's mm -hmm. news, newsworthy. So there, there are news people there. And it, um, that becomes important a little bit later. Um, it's 12 hours late as it's coming in. And there happens to be storms. I've been on a flight like over. that before. <laughs> 12 hours late? Yeah, wasn't it when we went to Budapest? Weren't we, weren't we about 12 hours oh late? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those lifetime memories of spending the night in the airport in New York. Yeah, JFK. Which airport was that? Was it JFK? JFK. It was, it was, it was awful. I think they remodeled it. It was awful. Them, it was terrible. I remember the ceiling, the ceiling tiles were falling in and like rotting yep. from water. There were buckets supposed to water in the wing yeah, where we were. It was a fun time. That was awesome. And then we missed the last train when we got to Budapest, so we had to find a hotel. It was just a nightmare. But anyway, yeah, 12 hours late can be a problem. 
And there, the ship was scheduled to go right back to Europe, and they had a full, uh, a full flight back. So there were a bunch of people waiting to get on to fly to Europe uh-huh. once this landed. And that was another problem because they were, it was the coordination uh, in England. Mm-hmm. But there were, so most of the people who were traveling, and it was going back to Frankfurt, but most of the people who were traveling across was had booked because they were to then go from Frankfurt to London to see the coronation, which didn't happen. None of, none of those people got to see the coronation because it caught fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there wasn't so, a second ship. Land, there wasn't another airplane just handy there to... No, yeah, you couldn't rebook on a yeah. different on a different uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. airline. <laughs> Go up to the to get on a, the service on a boat, but by then the yeah. boat takes six days, and so then you weren't going to make it on time anyway. You have to plan so, like all of that. To say. Start traveling months in advance just to make sure you get where you want to be by the date you're supposed to be there. Seriously. Um, all of that to say one of the things that goes wrong and there's of course as with most disasters a number of things go wrong together at the same time which is why this becomes such a big problem it's not just one thing and one of the things that goes wrong is there the crew is in a like most disasters yes exactly i feel like caitlin always points it out like there were some things that went wrong not just one (laughs) it uh so one of the things was the crew was in a hurry to get it down and parked because they were so late. Um, when they first get near New Jersey, they're approaching um, the coast of the United States, and they're going to be there in a couple hours. They are radioing back and forth with the ground crew, and the ground crew says, hey, we've got a lightning storm right now and heavy rain. And so the captain of the... Hindenburg says, all right, well, we're going to sail around a little bit. You just tell us when the weather is good, and then we'll come and park it. So what they do is they do a flyover, an extensive flyover of Manhattan. And there are lots of pictures of this. Um, in fact, a ton of the, ton of the photos you see is, is this giant green football field in length airship. Uh, flying like right next to the Empire State Building. It's insane. Mm. Yeah, um, that would be cool. And it was a treat for the passengers. It's like they were looking out over the uh, over the city, and yeah. it was also, um, we have, the photos are from airplanes, like a, a news, like the equivalent of a news chopper, but I don't, it wasn't a chopper, it was an airplane, uh, that took pictures from the air. So there are pictures like from above looking down, showing Ooh. the blimp or the dirigible or whatever we're calling it, and uh, and the city below. So really, honestly, you've got to Google these pictures because it blew it blew my mind. It's like it's like a steampunk novel. It's not. It doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> I mean, I suppose <laughs> airplanes are just as weird, but we're just used to them. But. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy to see this like giant ship in the sky floating along over the city. And I think it has a Nazi uh, 
swastika oh, yeah. on it too, which is it, also it absolutely does. It's the hawk. really weird. It has four Nazi flags, and the reason for that, um, I mean, the Nazis were in power in Germany then, and they were super popular, not just in Germany but all around the world. This is in '37, uh, so mm-hmm. this is pre-war. Um, yeah. But the the Zeppelin company didn't care one way or another about Nazism or whatever, but they needed money. They needed investors. And the Nazi party agreed oh, so to, it, to help finance. But so it wasn't just because it was a German airship. It was just not like at a, all. No. And it wasn't, it, it was wasn't a promotional military. thing. It was, yeah, yeah. Just like okay. you got Safeco Field or whatever. And then you've got to put up their logo. So they, yeah, they just had to carry carry the Nazi logo because the Nazis had paid for it. So, yeah, they had a flag up top on the tail on either side and then down below on, like, the rudder or somewhere down. There, there were, like, two giant Nazi symbols on either side. And it is kind of alarming to see that flying over Manhattan in the pictures. That is another thing that is just super weird. Um, now we see that symbol and it's just like gut reaction. But at the time, mm-hmm. that wasn't the case at all. So, okay. So then the we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and talk about the disaster now. If you guys are ready. <laughs> yes, I'm my action-packed section of the show. I'm ready. And an okay. hour in, we're we're ready to hear about it. <laughs> oh my goodness. So the ground crew, the storm is passed. And it's moved on. It, you can still see it in the distance, like you can see a storm in the distance, but it's it's no, it's not like right over top Lakehurst anymore. So they say, hey, come on in. So the captain brings the sh- the ship in. Um, he's he's decreasing altitude, and and you have to do that uh, like in a plane. You can kind of point yourself. You have to keep it stable so it just kind of sinks like a balloon would sink or a hot air balloon would sink, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to get low enough to the ground. And it does a couple passes over the landing field. Um, and in the end, it's, it makes a couple of sharp turns, which ends up being that's, it's the, sharp tur- the sharpness of the turns. Because these kind of ships are not supposed to make sharp turns. Uh, and it, so it's, no one knows exactly what happened because the thing burnt to the ground. There was nothing left. Um, but what is suspected is that the sharp turn is what caused this chain of events that okay. led to it catching on fire. But um, there were other problems happening too. So as they're, they've made these sharp turns. And now they're trying to come in to land, and for some reason, the uh, tail of the plane is uh, sinking low, right? You know, if you want to come in level, but it's the yep. tail is sinking low. And they try a number of things. They they um, vent some hydrogen on the front. They dropped a bunch of water. They had some water tanks. So they're trying to get that tail to come back up and be level. And in the end, they they can't quite do it, but they come in anyway because they're in a hurry. Yep. And it turns out what 
why the reason that the tail was sinking was because when they had made a sharp turn, the there's some like guide wires that are kept kind of taut that that um that adjusts the rudder. And the, because they turned so sharply, the tension was too much, and the wires snapped. And in snapping, they, um, like you imagine a, a really tight wire snapping, and it kind of slides around. Yeah. Um, and it cuts a hole in uh, at least one of the hydrogen pillows. Sacks. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever we're calling them, sacks. Okay. So we've got hydrogen leaking out, and it's hydrogen that keeps the thing afloat. So right. that's why it's hanging. It doesn't have as much hydrogen in the tail. But they don't know that. Like, there's no, because it's so big, there's no, you know, they Easy don't communication feel it between areas. Yeah, and probably yeah. not and there's sensors no sensors or anything. back there either, so. Yeah, there's probably not all um, great lines of sight to see everything all at one time. It's too big for that, really. Mm-hmm. It's likely we were on the um, the Queen Mary mm-hmm. at Long Beach in California. Is that mm-hmm. Long Beach? Where am I speaking? Okay. Yeah, I think Venice? you got it. Each? No. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, remember when you looked down the hallway, you couldn't see all the way down. Oh, this yeah. Like, this archy this Yeah. Right. It kind it of bows down. down. Bows. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's, it's similar to that. Um, they did, and this is how sensitive the weight restrictions are. They had three, they had six crew members stationed in the back doing, I think they were just back there for parking purposes. I don't know what they what they were doing back there. Um, but in order to get the tail to come up, they had those six people move forward mm-hmm. to the front of the ship, which brought, that wasn't too heavy back there. That's crazy to me. Like six people, and yeah, that's you know a thousand pounds or whatever. But it's still that's like not that not that much weight. But it that's like all that's how tightly how that's how close they had to like monitor Mm -hmm. weight on this thing. Um, Okay, so now you've got hydrogen leaking out, and we we do not know what caused the spark. Uh, that lit the hydrogen on fire, but um, the most believable and accepted answer is that there was static electricity. So not not lightning in the air anymore because the storms had passed, but the air was still kind of electrically charged. Mm-hmm. And when a when a dirigible comes in, or when it floats through the air, it builds up electricity electricity anyway, static electricity, hmm. kind of like a balloon would if you rubbed it against your head. Mm-hmm. And so what, what they do is they drop, as they're coming in, they drop these, these um, landing ropes to the ground. So they, they're still like 50 feet up or 90 feet up. And they drop these landing ropes to the ground. And the ground crew is going to grab them and help like, pull it in. Yeah. Uh, we had learned at some point that if you grab it right away, you get electrocuted. So you have to let it sit on the ground for just a second. Oh. Like discharge the electricity safely that's before you grab those, those lines. Yeah. So um, they think it was just 
kind of a static electricity spark and then lit the gas on fire. And hydrogen is insanely flammable. So, you know, that it lit, it lit the gas that was in, that was floating around. And then it very quickly, it raced up the corridor. And there's video of this because, like I said, there's news crews on the ground. Um, none of them caught the exact moment of the spark, which is unfortunate. Like they were all, either they weren't rolling their cameras yet or they were looking at, in some other direction, not looking at the end, the tail mm -hmm. end where it happened. But, um, but very, you know, as soon as it did explode, of course, all the cameras were rolling directly on, on the excitement and disaster. And so, uh, It ignites and then the fire shoots up the axial corridor, and you can actually see it shooting out the front of the ship. Um, mm. And then while it's doing that, of course, then it's also setting these other these other hydrogen chambers on fire. And they um, we're talking about like the hydrogen probably burns off all of that hydrogen. That kept it float. All of those 16 chambers. The hydrogen probably burns off in 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. And it, that's good. That fuel is done. It's, it's all burned away. Um, so now the fire is just burning the fabric. It's burning the fuel, um, the gasoline tanks that were still on there. Um, so it takes about 30. I think this is 38 seconds. 35, 38 somewhere now. Uh, the tail the tail falls first, and it does sink kind of slowly. I mean, I'm sure it was it was fast enough to be alarming to the people on board, but it it, it didn't crash like a plane crashes. Of course, it sunk yeah. as the fuel burned up. The tail sunk, and then the front sunk. Mm -hmm. um, so it was slow enough that people didn't die from the crash exactly. Um, but the fire was almost instantly everywhere. And so people had to break out the windows from the observation deck. Uh -huh. And luckily, because they were coming into land, almost everyone was in the observation area watching the landing. Right? Like getting a kind of a look at the ground and saying, Oh, yeah. here we are, we're we made it to the US. And so, you know, people who were still lying in their bunks or whatever, they had no chance. Um, but these guys the windows either broke on their own or they tried to break the windows. And people were able to get out through the windows. Several people um, jumped. A lot of people jumped before it hit the ground. Um, some as high as 50 feet, falling as far as 50 feet. Uh, so there were some broken ankles, and and at least at least one or two people actually died from the jump instead of the fire. But they were trying. You know, they, what option did they have? They were trying to get out of there. Mm -hmm. um, and then once once it was actually on the ground, and you watch the you watch the footage, it is so engulfed in flames at this point. I mean, you can only everything is burned away. Like, and again, we're thirty seconds in, everything is burned away. There's just some aluminum frame left, Crazy. and they are still there are still um, passengers running out of the wreckage and they're on fire i mean there were a lot of them got burned really badly mm -hmm. um but you know then they they were able to to go on and live 
I mean, and the good thing um, is, like, the, 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 there there was a lot of people there. So yes. people, news and, crew and, and spectators, I know that it, it, it's common for spectators just to kind of get in that, like, freeze and watch mode. But I'm I'm hoping that you might share a couple stories of, like, stop, drop, and roll, and then somebody else, like, helps get the fire off of somebody, you know. Absolutely. In fact, okay. remember, this is an Air Force base. Oh, oh no, yeah. Sorry, it's, a naval, it's a naval base. So there, the, most of the ground crew are trained uh, military yeah. men, and they, they absolutely ran right into that wreckage and pulled people out. Wow. Um, and there's a number of, of recorded stories about um, – there's only one survivor who's still alive right now, but but um, 62 people survived in total, and that's out of 97 on board. So um, there were 30, 35 people – 35 passengers died, and one ground crew um, happened to be crushed underneath the fallen ship, but huh. um, crushed or burned or something. But um, 35 people from the ship died, and 62 survived. So this is another one where it's amazing that most of the people actually made it. Mm-hmm. And when you watch the footage, you can't believe it. That thing catches fire so fast. And it's gone in seconds. I don't know how there was time for anyone to get out of that thing. Mm-hmm. They did. They did. It's just, it's such an interesting thing that it's a huge structure. It takes up so much space, but it's all kind of empty structure, too, at the same yes. time. So yeah, that when it totally was this amazing. massive thing, and then when you and then all of a sudden it's nothing. I mean, I'm sure that like just spatially uh-huh. it would, it would do make your brain do circles, you know, like, but wait, it was just huge. And now it's nothing is left. Yeah. I'm sure that would just be. Strange. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good point. Caitlin. I'm really happy to hear that so many people survived and I, I, I knew that it had crashed, but I didn't know from, you know, before you told us the story, I knew it, it had crashed, but I didn't know from what height. Um, so I, you know, I'm very happy to hear that they, it'd be so freaky to break a window and just jump and, you know, you're falling. Like that's actually one of my mm-hmm. recurring nightmares. So it's like not something I'm excited. Oh, and there's, yeah, oh God. But there's so many stories about did, did parents just throwing their children out the windows. Oh, geez. Like just tossing them out, just hoping that it's safer out there than in here. And, yeah. Um, and then, you know, the parents would try to get out after, and some of them made it, some of them didn't. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Most of the people so, who died were actually part of the crew, mm-hmm. um, partly because most of the people on board were crew. Oh. Remember, they were they had, like, a double crew because they were training yeah. new people. But also, um, the crew, the, you know, the passengers were at the windows watching the landing, and the crew were at their workstation. Uh-huh. Um, many more of them were killed because they they weren't near an exit or somewhere they could get away from the flames quickly. So hmm. that's unfortunate. Now, so I said that there were news news people. Um, there's a very famous. Um, there was a, a man who was recording for the radio. I'm sorry I didn't write down his name, Jamie. You might have it up in front of you. I do. I can tell you his his name was Herbert Morrison. Yes, Herbert Morrison. He was doing a radio address, um, just kind of 
uh, it wasn't live, he, but he was recording it for the next day's news, and it was just a, you know, he was kind of talking through the landing, like, oh, here comes the amazing ship, oh, it's, you know, here, it's sinking down, it's so big, blah, blah, blah. and then he, he's still recording as he's watching all of this happen, and it's a very, very uh, famous recording, and I, it's, it's worth a listen because you can hear him just experiencing it. Yeah. Do we, is, is that something you can Google? Does everyone have oh, access? Absolutely. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's on Wikipedia too. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And one of the things, you know how, you know we have the phrase people say, oh, the humanity. You know that have you heard that, Caitlin? Yeah, 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 I have. Yeah, but that's, that's where it came from. Phone call is what that's really? referring to, because that's one of the things he says. Um, huh. One of them, yeah. I've like, oh, listened to it before. Daddy. It's really, it is very, uh, it's, it's it's awful. It's really feeling. like he's, he, he's yeah, feeling. yeah. It it is, it is really intense. In fact, yeah. by the end, I think he says, you know, I can't look anymore. Like he, yeah. mm-hmm. he's like, I have to go inside some building nearby he's like I can't watch this anymore he said he he Um, had friends on there that he knew he knew people uh, on there I mean that's what the recording said yeah Yeah. well I guess I I don't mean to like have some sort of morbid interest in in listening to that but uh, because I went to college and and majored in print journalism a lot of my um, uh, classmates were interested in like brought like either sports or they they had to a couple of them had to go to sporting events and record. It was actually hilarious. They hated it, but it was it was fun for me. Um, they'd have to sit in the stands and talk through the entire game oh, and record yeah. themselves for assignments, which of course, like you look like a creep to everyone around you. So they try and <laughs> they try and sit off as far from anyone else as possible, but you just can't. You know, you can't guess who's going to sit next to you. And, you know, you, you can't take breaks and you, you just have to do it all the way through. So I had a lot of friends who had to do that and I'd never had to, thankfully. But, but you know, I did the the print side of that where you're you're recording something in chronological order kind of as it comes out. So I think that is knowing how someone can be trained to capture an event live and then to stick that person into a traumatic experience. And they they have these two opposite things. Like on one hand, they're trying to do their job. And they to, for a lot of people in news, it's the, the mission is bigger than just a job. It's like I'm here to, um, you know, help mm-hmm. the community and like actually get information out. Like I'm here as, as, a, as a good to do good, you know. Yeah, they can yeah. see like it's, part yeah. of his brain is like I need to record this, I need to record this, and the other part of his brain is like I need to run, I need to run, and it would just be such a weird. Or I think if you listen to it, you'll hear exactly that, Caitlin. That's, uh, that's a really good description because it's just like exactly what he's going through. Mm-hmm. This feeling of uh, like you can he he keeps trying to tell the story of what's happening, even though he's completely horrified by it, mm-hmm. and you can hear it like completely wow. hear it in his voice, but. Um, he definitely is continuing to try to tell, to try to describe what he's seen, and um, it's so valuable. Like I think, like we still have that recording because he he made that effort, and and that helps us to understand this disaster that much that much better. Yeah. So that is it is worth a Google. A Google. Um, the 
there was like an inquest kind of thing afterwards, a, a, a uh, an inquiry or whatever we call those things. I say inquest because I think that's what they're called in Agatha Christie novels, but I think it was just an investigation. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, no one was ever held held liable for it or anything like that. It 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 was I mean I think there was some human error because they came in too sharply but it was the kind of thing where they didn't I mean if the ship can turn that sharply maybe like why wouldn't you turn it? So it's kind mm-hmm. of you know, no one no one was really at fault and no one knew that that would happen from yep. that kind of a turn. And so um, it was a, an incredibly well-designed ship, and it would have been fine if it had been helium. Uh-huh. Uh, so the other thing is because the, this is the first, like I told you before, there there had been a number of previous crashes, and this is not the most deadly. Like I said, I think there were 36 people that died in this crash, but there were mm-hmm. previous crashes that had killed over 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that hadn't bothered anyone, apparently. But the... The difference here is that it was caught on video mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and audio, of course. But that's why you know, people seeing this disaster firsthand is what made people think, I will never ride in one of those. I'm not getting yeah. on board. And so it just it completely died, the whole industry. But like I said, I think it would have died anyway because ships are insanely more comfortable and you can put a bunch more people on them. And then airplanes were way, way, way faster. Mm-hmm. And even the even the dirigibles that were used in wartime for spying and things like that, again, you can do that with an airplane. Um, and if you think about, this is 37, and World War II was just about to start. And when I think about World War II, I completely think about um, air raids over in London. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the cla- you know, the sky's black with, these little fighter planes dropping bombs mm-hmm. over London and vice versa. So um, it was about to be like a, a golden age of air travel that did not involve flammable gases. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think it was. I mean, it was maybe inevitable that they weren't. They weren't going to be the the thing. But it is a shame because even if it's not the most efficient thing, it still could be fun. Like mm-hmm. Janice said, she's on her bucket list. I do think, <laughs> and again, no one, would, no one would put helium in anymore. No one would ever do that. It would, or I'm sorry, hydrogen. You mean? Yeah. <laughs> it would always be helium. Helium cannot catch fire, so you'd be totally safe in the helium balloon. But I don't know where you even go to find. Have you researched that, Jamie? Are there companies that? Yeah, I think. Take you uh, a, yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, my hope is to to do one in Germany. They have them in Germany, but here in the U.S., I do think either either in California or I'm Nevada. Sorry, it's just funny to think about because this was the German. What the German one? Okay. Yeah, make sure it's not. Well, make sure I want to do it in Germany. Place. You know, you can go to the place where they you do the thing where that's where they come from. Jamie, but I think mm-hmm. here here in the states they do have them in California or Nevada, somewhere in that in that vicinity. Just promise me what, one Caitlin? thing. What? Do not get on the blimp if it's named something akin to Titanic. 
Right. The Titanic. Don't get on anything, anything that's compared to the Titanic. It's bound to sink or explode or whatever happens to it. Yeah, for sure. There's a Doctor Who episode where they there's a spaceship called the Titanic, and it crashed. It crashed. Or it almost does it crash? Or I think the Doctor Who saves it just in time, but it's about mm-hmm. to crash right into um what's the name of the Queen's house? The um uh Buckingham Palace. Oh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. about to crash right into Buckingham Palace, and then. Doctor Who says the best, but yes, it's called the Titanic. Very bad idea, uh, for sure. Well, Jillian, I wanted to make sure that our listeners know where to go to. Well, your resources, first of all, um, if sure. they were good resources, uh, the documentaries that you watch, that type of thing, um, and then obviously we're going to try and post a couple of links on our Facebook page. Uh, to kind of address a few of the, um, maybe the Wikipedia page that then you will have other links inside of it. Yeah. But the documentary... This one is totally worth worth looking yeah. into the links. Yeah, the documentaries yeah. sound like they were really useful. They were. And I, I have two to plug. Um, I watched both of these through YouTube, but the first one is by um, a person named Jared Owen. And it was called, the video was called What Happens to the Hindenburg. Um, that one was very good. And in fact, it had the best kind of um, schematic of the of the ship. It, it had like a digitalized, you know, you could kind of explore. It would show you kind of what it would have looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, not actual pictures, but a, um, a designed version and that was really helpful for me to get uh to get a feeling for what it actually looked like inside and then the second one is called Hindenburg Titanic of the Skies and that <laughs> classic that um uh that documentary is put together by a group called Naked Science so very easy to find on YouTube or elsewhere on the web okay awesome well, some of the other questions we ask are like, how to prepare for this disaster or how to survive? And I'm like, I don't think <laughs> we need to cover that one today. <laughs> We've uh, mentioned several times this just is obsolete. Avoid um, being near stay dry away from those. hydrogen. Yeah, hydrogen blimps. Stay away from those. Mm-hmm. Don't smoke on a blimp <laughs> or at all. Don't smoke. Right. <laughs> just don't smoke, period. That's for your health. Um, yeah, well, anything, anything else that we want to include from the story, Jillian? Or I think that's what I've got. Jamie, do you see anything in your notes that should be mentioned? Um, oh, wait, I have one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. Um, in one of the documentaries, I think it was the one from Naked Science, they had um, real video of the funeral because... Um, the people on board were primarily German. And so then they, they were put in coffins and they were all lined up in a big row. And then the German military, it was here in the States, the German military officers that were <clears throat> uh, in the United States for whatever reason at that time, um, they were there plus some local Germans that just lived here. And they walked by 
the coffins during this funeral, and they were saluting, and it was the Heil, that Heil Hitler salute. Mm-hmm. Um, just weird to see that, just normal as anything happening in the United States, because now it's such a, you know, no-no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of forgot, like, it wasn't that, that symbol doesn't just mean Heil Hitler. That was how they saluted an officer or someone they respected. Like, that, it's just another way of saluting. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be attached to Hitler later. So that, again, it was just one more way that you were kind of like, whoa, Nazis, <laughs> what's happening here? Yeah. Um, because, so they you know, but at the time, it wouldn't, it, no one would have batted an eye at seeing that. So. Did they, did they get buried here in the States, or did they get um, their coffins shipped back on boats to uh, Germany? Variously. Variously. Okay. It, it depended if they had more family here or more family there. Mm, okay. So, I was just and yeah, by saying that the, it probably wasn't a funeral. It was maybe like a memorial service or something. Uh-huh. There is um, there is a memorial um, at the um, the Lake Air Force base. Yep, uh-huh. where where it happened. There's uh, it's marked yeah, out on the ground. It's a naval base, isn't it? Yeah, so so yeah, it was a naval air station which has been renamed the Naval Air Systems Command uh as renamed by oh, it was renamed by the Naval Air Systems Command as Naval Air Engineering Station Lakehurst or Navy Lakehurst for short. So there's a um, I didn't know until I researched the story that we didn't have an air force until after World War One. We did right, have a naval, a navy, and the navy had planes. Mm-hmm. That's how we, you know, but we didn't have an air force until later. Yeah, <laughs> which makes sense. So grandpa, was grandpa wasn't in the Initially. grandpa. Was, he worked on planes, but he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't in the air force during World War Two because it didn't exist. But he worked on oh, planes. My goodness, I did not know that. <laughs> he, was, he, I, he wasn't in the navy either, wasn't he? In the army. Yeah, he was in the army, and he was an airplane okay. mechanic. Because yeah, they they didn't have um, huh, yeah a that separate... came about later. It just didn't occur to me. Yeah, I mean now it makes yep. sense. And I, yeah, but no, you know, never yeah, learned that new technology. Case. So yeah, cool. Anything right. else, Jamal? Nope, nope. Caitlin, where can we? Uh, where can our people find us? Our listeners can find us all over the internet. Um, that's not really true, but we try. We are on <laughs> Facebook for sure. We're we're really active there. We love it when you send uh, ideas or comments. So you can find us just by searching Calamity Podcast. We're also on Twitter, and our handle is at Hey Hey. I got an idea. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't have an idea. I mean, someone sent us an idea. Oh. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> they, messaged, they messaged me a, a disaster to do. Okay. And it's a great one. It's a great one. And are we going to do that next week or the week after? Uh, I will need to read up on it. (laughs) It's good. It's always good to have an assignment, right? As soon as possible, yes. Good. It's a a really good one. So we do pay attention to those. listeners, please. Yes. We do pay attention. We love getting your, your requests. And we've got a big list. Um, the, the one Jillian's talking about that was just suggested to us, it wasn't on our, or wait, it was on our list already, but Jillian was going to move it up higher on the list. So. Exactly. Yep. Now that I know they want to hear it. Yeah. I mean, I'm here for the people. So. 
All right. So the other place to get in touch with us is through email, which is calamitypodcast at yahoo.com. Um, all of these various methods of communication can be found on our website, though, uh, in addition to some info just about the podcast in general. So our website is www.calamitypodcast.com. And then most recently, we've also added a, um, a presence on Patreon. So that's a way for people to, if you like our podcast and you want to um, do one of two things, either A, feed Jillian's research addiction so she can uh, buy more books about disasters. Or I B, need more disaster books. <laughs> or B, um, just help us improve our uh, product and get it out in front of more and more people so they can enjoy it as well. Uh, we yeah. would accept any donations that you might want to send our way. Um, but otherwise, we just hope everybody has a safe week, and we will catch you guys next time. All right. Stay safe, everybody. <laughs>